Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 168. Guys, I am legitimately giddy to share this episode with you. It's one of my favorite ones ever, and I've had a lot of amazing episodes. Today, I am introducing you to one of the most magnetic women I know, Emily Sexton. She is a force to be reckoned with, and I have been able to experience her magic firsthand in my mastermind group this year. With a past career on Wall Street as a vice president of communications and change management, Emily brings her win them over know-how delightful enthusiasm and everyday wit to encourage American consumers to use their purchasing power for good. From Wall Street to the streets with no name, you can now find Emily traveling in developing nations, speaking on stages all over America, finding gorgeous new goods for her downtown Raleigh boutique and online shop, The Flourish Market. She is an overly obsessed dog mom, an unlikely crossfitter, a contributor to the Huffington Post, and an avid believer that every woman is worthy of influence. Today, Emily is going to teach us her signature topic. And let me tell you, she teaches it. And it's all about how to influence others. Gold diggers, I cannot emphasize how important this episode is. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a college student, or a single mom, there is value in knowing how to communicate well, how to own your story and connect with others in a powerful way. I cannot wait for you to harness your inner voice and learn from this one in a million woman. You ready? Before we dive on in, let's talk about the review of the week. This one comes from Dr. Brianna and it says best podcast ever. I love this podcast, especially as a female business owner. It is so amazing to hear another lady boss's advice and perspective. Jenna is amazing with always putting out fresh content while staying consistent in her message. Highly recommend this to anyone who wants to improve themselves, their business, and their relationships with others. Thank you, Jenna, for all you do. Follower and fan for life. Thank you so much, Dr. Brianna, for leaving that review. These reviews really just fire me up and keep me inspired as we continue to create this content for you every single week. And guys, I cannot hold back on this episode any longer. You are in for a treat. Buckle up. You're about to meet Emily Sexton. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. 
guys. I am so excited about today's sponsor, Slack. Slack is a brilliant communication channel. We talked about it on the show before, and it is for all things business related. Sort of like an organized instant message designed specifically for work topics and quick exchanges of information within your team. Slack is the communication channel of Team Jenna Kutcher. We use it every single day, and I don't know how we ever lived without it. To learn why Slack is irreplaceable in my business, head to slack.com. That's right. Find all the magic at slack.com. Oh, you guys are in for a treat. I am so excited about this girl. She just makes me so happy. And so, Em, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jenna. Glad to be here. Oh, girl, come on. You are like, (laughs) we're ready to do this. We were like talking and I'm like, no, we need to hit record right now. So first things first, give everyone a peek into the life of Emily Sexton. Who are you? How has your path unfolded? And what has your journey looked like? Sure. Okay, so I'll start with who I am. Jenna, I am literally just a girl sitting in my bed right now with a (laughs) A pile of chairs in front of my bedroom door, hoping and praying my dog will not like start barking in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> and I had a photo shoot yesterday, which I got my hair and makeup done, which is amazing, except it rained yesterday and it was so humid that I feel like right, like I woke up and one of my fake eyelashes was stuck to my cheek <laughs> and my hair currently looks like <laughs> Jane Fonda, like totally stuck her finger in an um, outlet. So that's who I am. That's how I'm feeling right now. A little bit more about me so people just don't walk away from this podcast and talk about how weird I am. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. I live in Raleigh now, but I grew up in eastern North Carolina in a really small town. And basically, all anyone needs to know about me growing up was that I loved to dance. And Jenna, I had one dream in life and one dream only, and that was to be Britney Spears' backup dancer. (laughs) Literally all of my eggs were in that one basket. I went to Elon University for college as a dance major. And unfortunately, or actually very fortunately, two months into my freshman year of college, I got hurt in dance class. And I was told I would never dance again. And can we just pause right now and say, like, thank you, Jesus, uh, for interceding in my life in that way, (laughs) because I think everyone kind of took a sigh of relief when I got hurt. And they were like, "Okay, can she please make something more out of her life? So I remember not knowing what to do with my life. Obviously, I really mean it when all of my eggs were in this one basket. So I went to my career center and the woman I know is like, bless her heart. And, uh, you know, I was like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to study? And she said, well, there's the communications major or the business major. Those are the two biggest majors. And I said, well, what's the difference? And she said, well, Emily, in communications, you'll write a lot. And in the business major, you'll talk a lot. And I thought, well, sign me up for business. because <laughs> I love to chat. So I ended up falling in love with business. And I was from the small town where I didn't know any business owners or entrepreneurs. You know, everyone kind of had blue collar jobs. And so I was so behind in every class and I had to work 10 times harder than everyone else. At Elon, a lot of the students, especially within the business major, were all investment bankers kids from New York and New Jersey. And so I just, for the first time in my life, I wasn't the best at something and I wasn't the smartest person in the room. And that was humbling, but it was also empowering because I learned the power of hard work. So I ended up graduating with a major in business, concentrating within sales and marketing. And I landed a job right out of school working for a Swiss investment bank. And if the transition from Britney Spears' backup dancer (laughs) to working for a Swiss investment bank sounds weird, it is really weird. But I fell into a job that I loved. I got hired to be a recruiter. So I got to sit and meet and listen to university students and then, you know, professionals 10 to 20 years into their career over the years and listen to them, tell them about positions and see if they were a good fit for the role. This is a job that kind of morphed into something even crazier. I ended up moving to London and getting the opportunity to work in Singapore and Switzerland in Poland. And at the age of 27, I became uh, actually, yeah, no, I was 27, I think, became vice president of change management and communications. And I worked for a 50,000 person company. And so what that really meant in the context of my job was that I was in charge of winning people over. And it normally 
was winning people over to really horrible news. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that was fun. But what was interesting about living in Europe is that you get six to eight weeks vacation, unlike the two to three, maybe four you get in America. And so I started volunteering during my vacation time in the developing world. And I found this unique kind of proposition where I could use the skill set I was honing in corporate of winning others over to help nonprofits win people over to their fundraising efforts, to help social enterprises, so businesses that were doing good, win people over to buy their really awesome goods and ethically made products. And for me, April 24th, 2013 was a big interruption in my life. And those of you listening probably have no idea what that date was, but it sticks out in my life because that's the day that the Rana Plaza building collapsed in Bangladesh. For months, employees there had been complaining to managers that, you know, they're sitting there trying to make clothes and shoes for big brands and there were cracks in the walls and they felt unsafe and no one was listening to them. And all of a sudden on this morning, the building collapsed and more than 1,000 people died and 2,500 people were, were injured. And big brands that I guarantee, if you're listening, you shop with them mm-hmm. and probably still do. And their names were kind of on the record books. And it was in the news. It was in the news for only one day, pretty much. Hmm. And I remember getting so angry and I would look at Christian speakers and I'm like, how are you speaking about justice when you're wearing a top you paid $7 for? And I started to look around and think everyone else was doing it wrong. And in my mind, I'm like living on this high horse of thinking, you know, I, this is going to change the way I shop forever. And I have actually been in the developing world and I know the power of a dignified job. And that's the only way I'm going to shop. Three days later, I went to Target for probably shampoo, (laughs) as we do. And all of a sudden, my cart starts sliding to the left, to the clothing section. And all of a sudden, there was a kimono in my cart and a t-shirt that was on sale. And uh, the girl who was all excited about leading change and telling people what not to do waved the white flag. And I realized, okay... Take a step back, Emily. You are in charge of leading and influencing change and teaching other people how to do that in a corporate context. Take a step back. What can you do about this issue? And I realized rather than attack and tell people what not to do, I needed to incorporate what I was learning in corporate and teaching managers and training classes. I needed to create an easy solution and show people what to do. I needed to paint like this positive narrative that they could become a part of. So I knew I wanted to paint this positive picture, but I wasn't quite clear on what that looked like yet. But I wanted to start somewhere. I was still, you know, working my corporate job. And so I started an ethical fashion blog and I started highlighting brands that were getting it right, producing ethically, treating people on the other end of the purchase fairly. And not only that, but doing incredible good in communities all around the world to create sustainable and positive change and then one night shortly before my 30th birthday, I was on Pinterest. Uh, so at the time, my husband and I were obsessed with the tiny house shows and we had legitimately <laughs> decided that that year we were going to build a tiny house and sell it. I mean, who does that for fun? We do. We're kind of weird like that. But uh, we had decided this. So I'm laying in bed one night, probably like 2 a.m. and I'm scrolling on Pinterest and I had searched tiny house. And all of a sudden, as my fingers scanning, scanning up, scanning up on my iPad, I stop. And I see a picture of something that is not a tiny house. And underneath the description, it says, first fashion truck arrives in Los Angeles. Mm. And I thought, what is that? Like, why have I never heard of that? And my whole life, I've been interested in fashion. And so I remember... Waking up my husband and saying, Chris, like, well, actually, I think I woke him up the next morning. I think I waited till morning, but I know I didn't (laughs) sleep that night because in my head, I immediately realized the bigger impact past the blog. And that was going to be, what if we had a fashion truck and we filled it with clothing and shoes and bags and jewelry, all made by ethical brands. And we just buy these things from the all these relationships I've built up over the years of volunteering abroad and right here at home in the U.S. And what if that was the positive picture, the positive story we could invite women here in our community to be a part of? 
So the next morning I'm discussing this with my husband. I'm like, man, I just wish I thought of a fashion truck first. Like, (laughs) man, that's such an amazing idea. I always want to be like first to market. And my husband said his famous last words. And he said, well, there's not one here in Raleigh. And about a month later, we found ourselves about two hours west of where we live, standing in a sketchy bank parking lot, exchanging a whole load of cash for an old uniform delivery truck that was basically almost broken down. (laughs) And so began the beginnings of the flourish market. So we actually just did what I just told you we were going to do. So we filled a fashion truck that my husband and I built together with the help of literally 41 other friends. And it was a mini boutique on wheels. And in October of, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so old. What even year is it? (laughs) Of October, 2015, we've been in business two and a half years. I think that's right. So October, 2015, we launched the first iteration of the Flourish Market, which was this fashion truck. And at the time we carried about 20 brands. A couple of months into driving this fashion truck around town and doing public events and private parties at women's homes, we realized, yep, this is working. People want to be a part of something positive, and this is changing buying habits. And people are tired of trying to track us down and figure out where where the heck the truck's going to be. So we started looking at brick and mortar spaces. And a year and a half ago on Black Friday of 2016, we opened our shop in downtown Raleigh. And we haven't looked back since. It's been a crazy two and a half years since we launched that truck. And yeah, if you had told me when I was sitting with my friends in our driveway with paint all over us, like hand screwing in these little hooks into birch branches we had gotten at Michael's Craft Store, like trying to be like, can we hang necklaces off of this? Will this look cool? If you told us now today we've been able to place over $750,000 of orders with our artists and partner groups around the world, I would have told you you're crazy. But I've learned the power of positive influence and and how that can help grow a business. But not only that, literally change the world. And I think that's what we're talking about today. So I'm pretty darn excited. (laughs) Oh, I am just, oh, your story just gives me goosebumps. And you have this gift from the moment I met you to just move people with the way that you share stories. So I'm so excited because you have packed this episode with so many takeaways and I feel like we just got to keep it rolling, right? (laughs) So let's do this. Let's talk about kind of the different seasons you've gone through as an entrepreneur, because I mean, two and a half years in entrepreneur land goes by in the blink of an eye, but you guys have really changed and shifted and transformed not just your business, but you as a human being. Let's talk about that. Sure. So I mean, entrepreneurship, very straightforward, so easy. The last two and a half years have been, you know, (laughs) easy breezy, Jenna, I'm sure you can relate. (laughs) No, it's been absolutely insane. You know, going from just basically myself running the business, but my husband driving the truck to parties at night to now a team of 10. We just hired our big new employee that two days ago. So we're really excited and we're just expanding. But I think the biggest key about our business has been, I launched thinking that our mission was one thing, but the more I've listened to the women that shop with us, I realized that our mission is actually something deeper. Mm -hmm. So when I first launched the Flourish Market, I was very pro-artisan. Obviously, as someone who spent a ton of time and still continues to spend a ton of time in the developing world and on Skype and chatting with our artists and partner groups, I just thought, you know, let's spread dignity across the globe, like come in and use your purchasing power for good. And we're going to change these women's lives in the developing world. It didn't take me long to realize that, and I had no background in retail, but once I started stepping into the arena of women shopping with you and them stepping into a dressing room and trying things on, I realized that even more so, or even just as much as women in the developing world need someone to intercede in their life and remind them of their worth, women in my community here in the first world needed someone to guess what? intercede in their life and remind them of their worth. So while our business has grown and expanded, we've really seen a shift in the content we're sharing and how we talk about what we do and how we serve our customers. And yes, we're pro artists. And obviously when we sell things, it's benefiting, you know, these businesses doing great things all over the world. But in reality, when I peeled back the layers of the onion, I'm like, 
Emily, there's there are women sitting right in front of you that you need to be ready to serve. And that is something that has been an amazing shift in our business. And I think has been what has propelled us Mm -hmm. to just grow and grow and grow. Cause there's so many businesses out there, you know, even doing what we're doing. And a lot of them just show the artisans behind their products. And I just felt like for us, for some reason that wasn't working for us. And that's because, because of my personal story, which I'll share in a little bit, but there's something so much deeper. There's something so much deeper to why, you know, I do what I do. And there's something so much more that we can bring to, you know, women right here in our community and women just in the U S right here in the first world. Mm, Absolutely. One thing that I think is so incredible, and you touched on this with your previous position of influence and winning other people over, but how have you kind of used that as a skill as you've transitioned throughout your career? Because it is a really big skill that not many people have. Right. So, okay. I think influencing others is often a skill that's not overlooked, but I think it's suppressed. And that's because I think we confuse influence with manipulation. And I just remember in corporate, like going through all these corporate trainings and getting links sent to me of things to read of, you know, how to basically manipulate people. It was phrased as how to win people over. And when I took the strengths finders test, Woo is my number one. And so I kept getting like all this like development materials sent to me by managers and people. And in the context of my job, I really did need to win people over to sometimes really important things to make their life better and the employees that worked under them better. But I just, my soul was off when I would read these things. I was like, there's got to be a better way. And some of these articles and training materials, I would go through and literally think like, is this real life? is this real life? And it would be like, when they say this, say this. And when they say this, say this. And you'll totally like hit them in their weak spot. And then this. And I just literally, anytime I'd read that, I was never fooled. I was never fooled. And I was like, this is not the economy that I think we live in. Mm -hmm. And I really just don't think if this feels off for me, I'm willing to bet there's other people that this feels off to them too. And so that's not going to work. And so I just, in my corporate career, I can tell you the one reason I was successful is because I humanized myself and the people I worked with. I remember moving to London and like basically sharing my life story and sharing like, oh, what did you do this weekend? And asking people all these questions. And they were like so miffed by me. They're like, who is this girl wearing bright colors and with bright red hair? Who's like really enthusiastic. I, I mean, you could probably guess I didn't really fit into British culture immediately. And I gained relationships that way. I was just really real with people. And I don't think I overshared. I was just sharing about my life and inviting them to do the same with me. And I remember being warned before I went to Switzerland, my manager at the time, he on the plane right over, he said, uh, Emily, uh, just so you know, and he wasn't British. I won't tell you what country he's from, but I'm doing a horrible <laughs> accent. I'm just going to speak in an American accent, dear Lord. Okay. He was like, Emily, basically like you need to tone down your enthusiasm and you know, and don't ask personal questions. Like the Swiss men, they don't like that. And I thought, "Mm, okay, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because that's not how I've been doing my job today. (laughs) So guess what? Went over there, made some jokes, was enthusiastic and they loved it. And I remember asking them personal questions. How are your kids? Do you have kids? Oh, I see your kids framed on your desk. Tell me about them. Oh my gosh. What are their personalities like? And it was a game changer. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there and listened. And I just don't think, you know, in corporate, and even when you run a small business, even in your personal life, you're thinking about all these things you want to achieve and get from people and things you need to accomplish and check off your list. And we never sit to think like, well, gosh, they have something to offer too. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just, that's just been so powerful is, you know, as I see, it's kind of been the overarching theme of my life as I moved from corporate to running a small business to now, you know, growing a mid-sized business is just humanizing myself. And I think that allows others to do the same and just sitting at their feet and listening to what value they bring to the table. Oh, absolutely. Now I am excited because you have come prepared with a ton of hands-on advice and this is the live workshop podcast. So this is amazing. (laughs) So let's dig into some of the nitty gritty. So if a listener is looking to win someone over in their personal life, what are some tips for them? How do they actually go about gaining influence and really creating those connections that you talk about? 
Awesome. Let's do it. And just so you guys know where I'm coming from, when I was in corporate, (laughs) I got somehow thrown into this training with lots of senior managers. Well, not lots. There were only six of us total. There was like five men in their mid fifties and then like 25 year old me. And I was terrified because the two men leading the training, they handled peace treaty negotiations for the government in the Middle East. I have to say, I haven't been like scared in my life and many times are intimidated, but I was intimidated that moment. I remember thinking it was a whole week's training. And I remember thinking, this is the day. This is the day as a 25 year old, you know, that I pee in my pants, my crisp (laughs) white linen banana Republic suit. I was already planning, Jenna, how I would like exit the building with my work back behind me nonchalantly. (laughs) But it was terrifying for me because they were putting us in hot seats. So all of what I'm about to share is learned from just trainings throughout the year, but really taking that with a grain of salt and putting it into action in my personal life. And then even if you're just looking and listening to this podcast for business, listen up closely to the personal because we're next going to, I'm going to take it and translate that for how I've done these five tips in my business. All right, so let's do it. So I'm just going to walk you through five tips for influencing someone. Okay. If you hang up this podcast and you're done with this in the next 30 seconds, that's fine. Because all I really need you to hear is this. Tip number one is to listen. Mm -hmm. If you do this, you will win at life. (laughs) Literally, no one is doing this. If you think about, let's give social media as an example, all of the, you know, things that are dividing us as a nation just right now in America, people will post something and then people will just come in and just say the most hateful things. And yeah, maybe what, maybe they didn't say it in such a great way and you highly disagree with them and maybe they should, you know, go to jail for their thoughts, but like, that's not going to win them over. Like, how is that working out? It's just dividing us even more. So I really feel like as a nation (laughs) or just as a people that if we listen, that will change the world. And I think if we are a people that want to lead change and influence people, we have to start listening and listening well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So number two tip is to ask clarifying questions without throwing shade. (laughs) You guys know what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. So like, well, why do you feel that way? Hmm. You're throwing shade with that comment. So I find that open-ended questions are the best way to let someone expand on what they're thinking and feeling. Because what you want to do is you want to help people feel heard. Like they've got everything out of their system and that you kind of can feel in their shoes. When you ask clarifying questions, the right questions without leading them down the path and trying to steer them towards your path, if you're truly just genuinely asking good questions, you will learn so much. Tip number three is to find common ground. So after you've listened, is there a common connection between the two of you from something you just heard? Mm -hmm. If I can find a connection, a common connection with a Swiss manager (laughs) in his (laughs) mid forties, I promise you, you can find a common connection with the person you're trying to influence. You know, maybe you're interested in the same things growing up. Usually it's not anything to do with the item at hand that you're trying to influence them around. It's normally something outside of that. Again, that goes back to humanizing yourself. Tip four, I want you to cast vision and tap into higher values that are hard to disagree with. So I guess it would be helpful if I gave you an example. So something like, let's talk about, well, let's not talk about gun control, but just that's what I'm I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of, let me give an example. So casting that vision and tapping into a higher value that's hard to disagree with, you could say something like, I think we can both agree that we want our kids to feel safe when they go to school. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the table are going to agree on that. Okay. And then last tip, live your life as an example of what you believe. So you can use words all day long and try to influence someone, but you've got to walk that talk girl, you know, Think about someone in your life that's won you over to anything. It wasn't just through their words or one conversation, was it? It's in how they live their life each and every day. That is influential. That is convincing. And you know what? That's going to encourage me to be won over by them and then take action in my own life accordingly. So really powerful. And then the caveat that I want to say to all of these tips is that you won't win everyone over. 
So please mm-hmm. don't die trying. You know, I've almost flipped a table at a family <laughs> gathering before when racial injustice got figuratively placed on the table. And, you know, maybe you have a great Aunt Melba in your life that you've wanted to flip a table at before too. And, you know, you can concentrate on and stew all day, but, you know, we're not playing to the lo- the lowest common denominator here, guys. Mm-hmm. We really instead have, there's such power in spending Instead of spending, you know, that whole life trying to convince this one person of something, those precious hours and days could be spent winning over thousands of others, which I think is such a good transition into business because I'm thinking that if you're listening, shade has been thrown at you via a comment on social media, a message on Instagram, or maybe even something someone said behind you, behind your back about the way you do your business and or how you run your brand or what you're all about. And let me tell you, I've been one to definitely stew about that. And every time I have to flip the switch in my head and say, Emily, move on, because we've got a lot of good work to do. You cannot let them get you down. Just look at what happened with Jenna. Some mm-hmm. guy wrote on her a post about, you know, how did she land a guy like Drew? Oh, you know what? Jenna turned that around and just wrote a positive post about body positivity. And it went viral. And mm-hmm. here's why, because other people, if they saw that comment, they, they don't, maybe there's a few others that would jump in and be a part of something negative. But in the grand scheme of things, we're people that want to be as part of something positive. So lead that way in a positive way. Just don't let, you know, one person get you down or a small handful of people focus, focus, focus on not the lowest common denominator, but how many people you can help. So I wanted to translate those five tips and show kind of walk through how I do that in my own business at the Flourish Market. So tip number one was to listen. And again, we're not listening to the lowest common denominator. (laughs) We're listening to our ideal clients that we know already love us. Or if you're just starting a business, you're going to listen to people that you want to work with. So like, for example, someone asked me on, I was speaking one time on a Q&A panel and someone asked me, I only have $250 to start a business. Would you do logo first website? Like how would you spend that $250? And I said, don't get a logo, don't get a website, have a lavish dinner party, spend all $250, invite 10 people over you'd love to work with. This was a girl who wanted to start a personal styling business. Said invite them over and listen. Mm-hmm. So the next tip, ask clarifying questions. And then I walked her through some questions she could ask these women that she's having over and treating them lavishly. The clarifying questions piece, I feel like no one in business is doing this. I mean, every now and again, I'll get a pop-up when I buy something. It's like, would you take this survey? I'm like, no, I I don't have time for that. (laughs) Like I'm not bought into your business. But other than big brands, I really never see people surveying or, you know, asking really good questions. And so I guess, you know, I don't want to say no one in business is doing this. I I think just people aren't doing it well. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you an example of something we do in our business that works really well that maybe you can take away and do in your business. So we survey our customers frequently. So in this past January, we sent out a survey via email and also posted the link to respond on social media. And it was very simple. It was only two questions. And in return, we promised them a 15% off shopping pass. And we explained the why behind us asking these questions was that we really wanted to be able to serve them better. And so we had figured out through listening to customers that they had come to us for, yes, fashion advice, but actually they were coming to us for life advice, which is not something we expected. So our survey was two questions that they took. One, what is your biggest pain point in fashion? Two, what is your biggest pain point in life? I made it so that people had to leave at least like 10 characters before it let you submit. So basically they only had to leave one to two words in each answer. Hundreds and hundreds of women responded with books, like whole chapters about their lives. It was powerful because they felt seen and known and they're like, gosh, she is asking the right question. We already had listened and knew that's how they wanted us to serve them, but we didn't know exactly how. So we asked clarifying questions. It was amazing. And, you know, now every new hire that starts with us, they have to read the survey answers because that's all they need to know. 
to help us run a successful business is these are the questions and things our people need. Let's serve them. Let's dish out content mm-hmm. for that, which leads me to the next point. The next tip three, that was find common ground. And that is we took our survey results and we said, okay, here's what they need. And we boiled it down and found the common ground of where we had the knowledge and influence to help them. And then we put plans in place to serve them. It was that simple. And there were so many themes, you know, yeah, I can't dish up good. Some people were like struggling in the kitchen. You know, I don't know how to turn on my stove, but I can't help you there. (laughs) But I can definitely give you pep talks about your worth. We can show you how to pack for a weekend trip. There were many things that we could find common ground on that we could help serve our customers. So tip number four was to cast vision and tap into higher values. So with our business, we live and breathe to show women that they are worthy of influence. So using their purchasing power for good, that's only one small piece of that pie. So on our social media accounts and the events that we host, anytime you're interacting with us, we'd really miss the mark if we were just like, hey, look at this pretty off the shoulder dress. Want to buy it? It's $54. Let that sink in and think about that in the context of your vision. What is that bigger value and that vision that you want to cast for people? Okay. And then the last tip was to live your life as an example. And so Mm -hmm. one way I do this on social media is I show the real life of running a business. I show the non-highlight reels of my personal life. And here's why. I don't want women to think for a second that they have to run this million dollar business to make an impact. I'll show how I'm making an impact at the grocery store through helping a woman pick up her blueberries off the ground. You know, I don't want them to think that their hair and makeup has to be perfect for them to seize their day. You know, I really want them to see the shiz show. That's my life and our business, because I know that by meeting them in that common ground of life's not easy, that I can show them how I'm walking the talk and still rising up and claiming my worth and having influence and impact. And that is what will inspire them to do the same. I've already told you briefly about the magic of Slack, but that was just skimming the surface of this incredible program. On Team Jenna Kutcher, we use it to share projects, ideas, answer quick questions without waiting on someone to reply to an email. It's a total game changer in small business. It saves you time, improves productivity. It's super easy and convenient. It works everywhere you go. You can even get a mobile app. And simply put, it's efficient, organized, and it ensures that every member of my team is always in the loop. I can't imagine coordinating everything without it. And I'm so thankful to Slack for sponsoring today's episode. Head to slack.com if you are ready to take your business to the next level. That is slack.com. Slack, it's where work happens. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm like just soaking all of this in thinking <laughs> the world needs to hear this. The world needs to hear this. One thing that struck me about you, Em, when we met, is the way that you connected through a unique personal story. And Mm -hmm. I think that what really drew me into you is that a lot of the times the things that we're struggling with are the things that we tend to hide or shy away from, but they become the things that can connect us the most. And I know we've experienced this with sharing our Mm -hmm. miscarriages and body image and all these things that are things that you don't want to talk about, but it needs to be shared. And so can you talk a little bit about the process of owning and then sharing your story? Right. Absolutely. And I love this question. So I've actually never shared what I'm about to share, like on the internet. I've only kind of shared in person. And I shared that the first time we met Jenna and a, and a group of women, but you know, I've been feeling a stirring in my heart to share what I've learned in the last few years. And I'm actually writing a book that'll be on bookshelves in 2020. But yeah, I feel like I really just want to share this because I think that if you're listening to this, I think that you'll find yourself in part of my story and hopefully walk away inspired. So three months after we launched our business as a fashion truck, something really horrible happened in our lives. And to this day, only a close handful of friends know the details. Someone close to me, not my husband, was caught doing unthinkable things with young girls. And Jenna, I remember glancing out the front window of my house and seeing an FBI agent 
looking at paperwork in her car and thinking, we're not going to get through this. I felt like such a fraud. The very thing our business stood for, which was championing vulnerable women and children, that was being attacked. So I felt responsible, even though in no way was any of it my fault. I felt so alone because I couldn't tell many people. I felt like I was somehow being punished because I had stepped out boldly as a woman to start a business that stood against sex trafficking and acts of injustice against women. And I felt like I no longer had the strength or authority to run my business. And I sat in that for a few weeks. And one morning after a ton of therapy, I woke up and I I declared, F that, F all that. Those are all lies and we've got Mm -hmm. important work to do. So we just got to work. And a few months later, our business was blossoming so much that we started to immediately have to look for brick and mortar spaces. And here's what I found through that. Struggle breeds confidence if you let it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may think the story stops there, but just like clockwork, a few months after we opened our brick and mortar store, I found out through a letter that my dad was not my biological dad. And that for 32 years, my parents never told a soul that I was from a sperm donor, not a soul, including me. And I remember dropping to my knees behind our checkout corner in my store in shock, reaching up to grab my laptop, pulling it down to the floor with me and Googling what to do when you find out you're from a sperm donor and literally praying that no one would come in my shop. And for the 48 hours that followed, I legitimately could not look in the mirror. I no longer recognized the shape of my face or the length of my legs because I'd never looked like anyone in my family. And I wondered, you know, who they came from. And this past year has been one of redemption of knowing that my identity and worth is not tied up in anyone here on earth. So when women walk in our store and share hard things with me or message me on Instagram, I now have empathy and the sweet, sweet gift of being able to meet them where they are on common ground because I too have been through what felt like hell and back. You know, I know what it's like to you know, not be able to get out of bed because anxiety is sweeping across you and you literally feel like you're duct taped down to the bed frame. I know what it's like not wanting to look in the mirror because you're confused about what you're seeing and it's a big mind game at the time. And so if you're listening, I just, my main message, you know, I just don't want you to let your, your struggles distinguish your fire. I want mm-hmm. you to use them to fan your flame. Nothing's wasted in your life. No struggle, no horrendous moment, no hard conversations, no shocking news. None of it is wasted. What an absolute gift to be able to make your mess, your message. You know, the truth is you have the strength to get out of bed. You're not too weak. The truth is you don't have to have it all together. Mute that message playing on repeat in your head that life is not perfect. So you're not capable because you are, (laughs) you're capable Mm -hmm. of real influence and real impact, you know, so get out of bed and let's go sister. And Jenna, that's my message. That's my message. You know, when I think about the year I was born, that'll be on my gravestone. And then the year I die, I want that slash in the middle to represent something specific and something good, something damn good. And so when we think about influence, you know, it is not manipulation. It is what do you want your legacy to be? Like, what do you want to leave here on earth? And Jenna, I remember in a podcast that you talked about how Drew lost, you guys lost the best man in your wedding very Mm -hmm. suddenly. And you know, that you just remember laying in bed and scrolling through social media feeds, just trying to, you know, hear from him. And here's the thing, social media, we live in a day and age where social media bears witness to the influence Mm -hmm. we had while here on earth. And so I think that let's not confuse influence manipulation and, and play small. I think that we should use our impact 
for good. And my favorite thing about influence is encouraging people to use their own because it's going to multiply good in the world. My goodness. Can I just say Emily for president? (laughs) I do not want that job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are so, oh, it's so good. Okay. I want to know, like just hearing the way that you're Mm -hmm. speaking and how you make these connections. Mm -hmm. What are three tips that we can incorporate today to help us influence others intentionally. Okay. Well, my first tip has to be to listen. I'm just going to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it because like I said, I think if you can do this well, you'll win at life and win in business. And if you want a resource, I love the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's mm-hmm. written a like, long, 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 long time ago. So it's kind of archaic, but the message still stays the same. And if I had to boil his book down to one word, it would be listen. The second tip I would give is to allow if you own a business or even just from a personal perspective, from a business, allow your customers to be co-creators of whatever you're putting out there, whatever content you're putting out in the products. So by surveying our customers, as an example, they're becoming co-creators in our vision and anything we're going to be a part of in your personal life. Take your five best friends, dream together, listen to them, have them speak truth into your life and allow them to be co-creators of how you can influence the world. And then the last tip I'll give is just to tell stories, to simply put Mm -hmm. it, stories stick. Stories are what people remember. It's their takeaways from long speeches. It's their takeaways from interactions with business. Stories are what people go and tell their friends about you and your brand. Our brains are hardwired for stories. They're everywhere. And actually not to like get too scientific, but when you can tell a story and you hit on emotional ties, that builds up the dopamine in your body. And that's going to hit the spot in your brain that makes you feel good and fuzzy. And when you feel good and fuzzy, when people feel that way, they can go out and change the world. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I feel like stories are just so powerful. I've seen how they've worked in my personal life and in our brand. That would have to be my last, my third kind of tip and takeaway. Oh, I want to have you on again. (laughs) Like, I feel like this could go for, I mean, we could probably talk all day, which is good. We are going into rapid fire, which is probably. Okay, let's do it. So let's do this. There are four questions. So. Is there anything in particular you do to reach your audience week after week? I think it's really simple. I show up in their lives consistently and always provide value. And that value is based on what I know they need. I show up even Mm -hmm. when I don't want to, even when I feel duct taped down to my bed frame, I still show up. I love that. If you had to pick your absolute favorite thing about the power of influence, what would it be? Okay. Well, my previous answer was going to be to use it to encourage people their own influence, but I'm going to go a different route. And I would say to use that influence in a like really positive way for positive impact. We just did a big campaign. I threw a shirt up for sale on social media. I said, Hey, let's fund one woman to go through business school in Ethiopia and thus change the trajectory of her whole family's lives forever. And long story short, we funded five. It was amazing. And it just went to show me like influence can be used for such cool and good things. So let's not back down from it. If you had to pick three words to describe successful influence or positive influence, what would they be? Authentic, rooted. So rooted in something that means a lot to you. And I would say that it motivates Because I think that you can reach people and tell them things, but if they're not doing anything, if they're not motivated to take action, then you're not really maximizing that opportunity. Okay. This is my favorite one. So say a listener is ready to move forward and they're ready to like harness their influence skills, which I mean, after this episode, I feel like this is all (laughs) of us. What is the single best piece of advice that you want to leave them with today? Okay. Stick with me. I'm bringing it back to Britney Spears since we started that way. Yes. (laughs) So everyone kind of made the joke when I was in college that, oh, thank God I got hurt because when we were seniors in college, Britney shaved her head and like, hit a car with a bat and no one heard from her for eight years. 
Well, guess what? Eight years later, she got residency in Vegas and all of my girlfriends from college, we went to see her. Obviously, that's the only way to celebrate a 30th birthday. And we dressed as each of our favorite Britney Spears characters over the years. So I was wearing blue hot shorts and carrying a yellow stuffed snake around my neck, as one does. (laughs) And... I had this realization in that moment, looking at her up on stage and she was killing it as Brit, Brit, Brit does. But I was like, getting hurt didn't take my stage away from me. We were just launching the Flourish Market. I'm like, I took my stage away from me. So my challenge to those who are listening is the only person that can take away your stage, that can take away your platform for influence is you. You're the only person that can do that. I don't care what life throws your way, what people tell you, what feedback you get, what people say you can and can't do. The only person that can take away your stage, your platform of influence is you. And so I can give you tips all day long, but if your mindset is not there, if you're not ready to claim your worth and claim that you're worthy of influence, I've really failed you. And so I really just want you to know that you are worthy of influence. And if you want to check out our Instagram account, we're at the Flourish Market. We have beautiful women, all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds on our Instagram account, confidently answering the question I've asked them, which is why are you worthy of influence? And I think you'll find yourself in one of their shoes. Mm, I love it. You guys have to go check out her feed. And let me just say to um, your uh, accents <laughs> in your Instagram stories, bring me so much joy. So speaking of which, where can everybody find you and connect with you? Yeah. I'm excited so about I'm just going to give you one link guys, hit it up. It's the flourishmarket.com backslash Jenna. And you'll find some fun things there. I'm going to keep a little bit of surprise, but what you're going to find there to prove my point and to show you I'm walking what I just talked out to you is you'll find a two question quiz. And the two questions are really fun. I'm not going to reveal what they are, but here's the deal. I want you to be the co-creator of content we can put out to help you and those you love claim their influence. So two simple questions that I ask and that you answer them as a thank you. I'll turn it right around and give you a 15% off shopping pass that you can use or gift to a friend. I literally cannot wait to dive in and learn from what you have to say. Um, thank you. Thank you for this episode. It is by far one of my favorites ever. And I think one of my favorite pieces about it is that I've always loved the idea of influence. But I think as women, we can shy away from it because it can feel too strategic or conniving. And I think that the way that you painted it today just shows that influence leads to impact. And that is so stinking powerful. So thank you for your expertise and your time and your talent and just being you. I'm so what an grateful. honor to be here. And just Jenna, thanks for leading the way and paving the way of vulnerability and just true community. We're really grateful for you. Does anyone else feel like you need to start this episode over and take notes? Because I do. Isn't Emily just incredible? I mean, the way that she speaks, it just makes you listen. And she has so much valuable wisdom to share. I love watching her do what she talks about. I mean, this woman has influence, but she uses it to make a genuine impact on the world. And guess what? She has crafted a business around the feedback that she consistently seeks out and she uses. She makes people feel seen and heard, and she really contributes to the world in a way that makes you feel less alone. I think what I love the most about Emily is that she can use a topic like influence, something that we might have iffy feelings about, and really persuade you to know that this is how we can change the world. Like when she said about her gravestone having the date she was born and the date she dies with that dash in between and that she wants that dash to mean something. I know that you, Gold Digger, feel the same way. This show was just life changing. She showed up and she served and she shared. And I am just so thankful for voices like Emily's in this world. And so Gold Diggers, thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you for soaking in all of this knowledge. And please go encourage Emily in this pursuit because she is changing the world and we're just lucky enough to know her. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. 
Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.